Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenants? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Dave Clay. <laughs> I'm laughing. And Carolyn Barnett. The reason I'm, reason I'm laughing is that Carolyn is not here. And I can do that. I can put my name in front of hers. Not only because she's not here, but the only time I can get away with it is when she's not here. Not really. But since she's not here, most of what's going to happen on the podcast today is going to be me. (laughs) And a lot of talking, which may or may not be to either your great advantage as a podcast listener, or in the end, uh, it may prove to be uh, something not even quite up to the standard of Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. But I had nothing to do with Carolyn not being here. Uh, she had some things that she had to take care of. And again, time being of the essence, as he used to say, we were not able to uh, coordinate another time to actually record the podcast. And so you're kind of stuck with me. But with that in mind, I'd like to jump right into it. And not necessarily that I want to tackle something so much so that uh, I could reserve for a hearty discussion between Carolyn and I, but I thought I might go back to some recent podcast sort of themes. And in particular, I want to start with a passage of scripture uh, out of Mark chapter 12. I'm going to go ahead and read it, starting with verse 28, and then (laughs) we'll do the exegesis. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And of course, the context of this is, these are the two great commandments. Most of you who are familiar with the Bible, who are Christian, uh, know full well that uh, I was reading Jesus' words as uh, he was asked the question by the scribes, one of the scribes. And with that, though, capturing a good bit of the entirety of the Bible... It is profound and very powerful unto itself. And to the extent and degree that it represents anything, it's kind of the salvation message. Now, that can be certainly within the context entirely of the Bible. And with that, not only our material salvation uh, in any sort of human dimension, uh, but it is more so leading to or indicative of or speaks directly of our eternal salvation. And with that, I believe something that we use quite a bit, at least premise-wise, not only then in our biblical awareness, our message of 
the gospel of Jesus Christ or ministering of the gospel of Jesus Christ in a salvation way, uh, not only in terms of church context, but actually in terms of counseling. Because within the same sort of, I guess, dimension or aspect of salvation, it starts certainly with acceptance of Jesus as Lord and Savior. But when you begin to really understand that what he's offering as far as the two great commandments is the right sort of putting together, rightly putting together of Old and New Testament, you really can't affect a change even if we just limited it to the scope of the Christian counseling, the specialized pastoral care. You can't affect the change without (laughs) beginning (laughs) with this really most important sentinel of all premises. (laughs) And for the sake of just making sure that uh, we establish that. I'm going to reread this again. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, This first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And that shalt love him, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. (laughs) Now, foundationally, what that means, not only in terms of salvation or the biblical message, is that the Old Testament (laughs) really still stands sentinel and foundational to any change, any transformation, hopefully for the betterment, for the good. Not only of the person, but the redemption of the soul. And not just the soul, but the soul as would be then redeemed. The soul that otherwise would have acceptance of Jesus as Lord and Savior. And awareness that any of those things that Jesus in the gospel of Jesus Christ would bring to us out of a personal relationship with Jesus, accepting him as, once again, the Messiah, it all begins with the premise. If you don't like God, if you don't love God, if you don't understand the terms, the reality that the Old Testament speaks to of who God is, the revelation of who God is, it's going to be pretty hard to find redemption or salvation. It's not that God can't do it, but you have to want to receive God, love Him for who He is. Now you may say, well, you know, that's really not what salvation maybe in appearance seems to be about. It seems to be about God loving me for who I am. And I don't disagree with that. God loves us for who we are. But we have to, I think, also realize that who we are as much as anything should begin with who God is because he created us in his image. And it would be for the purposes of relationship with him. And it would require us to see it, as would then be through the lens of the Old Testament, lest we sort of end up saying, well, there's certain parts of God I love. I love all the stuff he does for me. I love all the love that I get from him. I love that he accepts me unconditionally. I love that he sent his only begotten son to save me. And all that's true. 
But if we don't really love God for who he is, what happens, I think, is we may say that we love him, and we may say that we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. But if you don't accept God as within the definitions, his, and he did, he chose to reveal himself uh, in word through the lens of the Holy Spirit, or as the Holy Spirit gave us then this revelation, that lens, Holy Spirit inspired, is what I'm trying to get to. If we don't believe that, then why would we say that we would want salvation in Jesus Christ? Because really what that means is that not only do we accept God's love, receive God's love, but there is a dimension of, even so, loving God. And I'm not saying that we should be expected, or as with, again, salvation in Jesus Christ, I'm not even saying that not only should we be expected, or we should expect anyone to necessarily understand love in that dimension of (laughs) loving others the same way that God loves us. But if you don't get to that point, then you've only completed part one of the two-part process. Part one, first of the two great commandments, as I have read them on the podcast today, is to acknowledge this thing is not about just saving me, although it is, but it's saving me or restoring me, as with redemption, literally restoration, to a place of relationship with God where I am one with him. But to be restored, I have to get the perspective right. It's not so that everything comes my way or it's all going to be one-sided. I have to appreciate that not only is it a matter then of loving God, and Jesus is the only real way to get to that place of loving God or restoring that relationship with God. He is, once again, I say that because he is once again biblically identified the Messiah. You can't, no one comes into the Father except by Jesus. You can't get to him except through Jesus. But if you think Jesus, accepting Jesus means that it's all going to come your way and that there's no then obligation or responsibility that goes along with that to love God, you've kind of then already precluded yourself from completing part two. (laughs) The second aspect of salvation or even within again the counseling context the kind of change that we're looking for if it means being more Christ-like if it means being more in line with what we know the word of God has instructed us to because in the end it's not about us it's about loving others even as God has loved us and that's really what Jesus says And I'll continue, Mark 12, verse 31. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then to punctuate it, there is none other commandment greater than these. So what is it to love your neighbor (laughs) as thyself? It's the same way God loves you. 
But you don't do that out of selfishness. Or the motive can't just be to save you. It has to be to save you, as with God loving you, so that you can then share that love in that same sort of way that God does with you, willing to lay down himself, his life. And what do I mean by that? Not that God went to the cross as God would be maybe presented in the Old Testament, but God did go to the cross as he is one in Jesus Christ. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost represents the one. And that's really what Jesus said. There is but one God. And with that, then he, God, the Holy Spirit are one. And as much as again, we should recognize the Lord our God is one Lord. There is no distinction. But if you enter into, except Jesus, the Lord and Savior, and you enter back into that fellowship with God, the restoration, reconciliation, you're accepting the Old Testament premises. You're accepting the aspect of sacrifice, or at least laying down your personal desires, not being selfish, being selfless, not being conditional in your love, that you're only going to give as much as you would expect to receive, or as you've received, you are not going to be as willing to give as you received. It doesn't work that way. But when you say that you're one with God, or that there is, as Jesus declared, the Lord our God is one Lord, then you are going to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And how does he measure this? In material dimension. Now, I can say I love you, or I can say I love God. But if I am not willing to lay down my life in that same way, if I'm not willing to unconditionally love you, then I am probably putting conditions on God's love. And those conditions really preclusively deny me the full benefit of God's love. I'm not receiving it as in identifying with it, as identifying truly then with Jesus. And you have every right to call into question whether or not I really have accepted Jesus as the Messiah. That my aspiration is to be Christ-like. Not only to receive the love of God as would then be Exampled in the sacrifice of his only begotten son, God's, namely Christ, so that all who believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. But I have to believe it enough that I am willing to do the same. <laughs> Whether you see that as fair or not, uh, that may be also a very legitimate concern. I don't know that it isn't fair. I'm not sure in a flesh sort of way it appears fair. But if you really do love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit, to restate that uh, in maybe not exactly the same terms, but as close as possibly I could, you're not likely then to enjoy And with that, then deny the power of love. 
it's not just to save you, it's to allow you to love others in that same way. Now, is it going to come out of your flesh or your humanity? No, because that's the failing of the Old Testament. It never comes out of our flesh and humanity because we of our flesh and humanity are not capable of finding the power or the strength to accomplish that in that same measure or way. We're not able to love others unconditionally lest it would be that we've first received that from God or at least as much as all of us have received that from God and the devil has come along and stolen that from us. Unless we are restored and then in that same way connected, in that same way we love because he first loved us, the same spirit of that, we're not going to find it in us to do that. Why? Because it may indeed seem like it's going to destroy you. It may even seem like it's going to kill you. But it really isn't, and the reason it wouldn't be is that as much God would then give you the power to love others as you love yourself, and that begins with unconditional love, it soon then follows that unless you put love into action, and unless you do those things of sacrifice, even to the extent or degree of laying down your life for another, it's not really then Jesus. It's not really then God. It's you trying to be Jesus, you trying to be God, but what preempts that? Selfishness, self-preservation. We don't do that well. And it's much like, I guess, marriage If you take the vows and you make the promise, you really don't know what that means until you're called to put it into action. And then we get to the place of realizing, well, how many marriages fail? Because people say that and they think they mean that and they believe they can do that, but they are not realizing you can't except that you would adopt even in material terms, all the dimensions that we know the Old Testament calls us to, including our failing and need for assistance and help. But it's not the Old Testament that saves, and it's not the Old Testament that gives us the strength to love. It's just the Old Testament that tells us we need help. And if there is a logistical aspect to receiving, then the love of God in such a way that not only do we find salvation in Jesus Christ, but we might then love others. And where does that love come from? The fruit of the Spirit is love. It comes from the divine nature. It comes from the power that the Holy Spirit, once again, brings us to love others in that same dimension. But the New Testament operation... All the things that we do out of that salvation, the acceptance of Jesus as Lord and Savior, it wouldn't happen were it not to be for Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can really then logistically only have that freedom 
to operate in that power if we then give it to him. But how do we give it to him? We give it to him again with, once again, fairly somewhat loose translation, all our heart, mind, soul, and spirit. If you say you love God, you have to then do the same thing that would be required of you to love others as you love yourself. But you're only going to be able to do either of those things through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. There is a price that is paid, but God demonstrates in Jesus or through demonstration. (laughs) We see it is possible in human physical sort of terms to lay down your life for another. Now, will it be required of all of us in such the way that Jesus went to the cross? I hope not. It might be. Just asked Stephen, as if you could, the stoning of Stephen. It asked the disciples, the apostles. Many would have considered it and did. A privilege to go to the cross in the same way Christ did. But whether it is that type of example or demonstration, or whether it is more likely day-to-day, putting your needs second to another, day-to-day, laying down your will for the greater will of God, the direction of the Holy Spirit, as within wisdom and discernment of what God's mind might be in any particular situation, as we might see it materially. The spirit of it is is to allow God to lead and guide in the Holy Spirit, give us the knowledge and understanding, give us the power and strength, comfort us even as we're going through this process of laying down our life, Not just for others, but again for God. Now what has this got to do with counseling and change, even in human dimension, as I began the podcast? I'm not going to get you to make changes until I get you to realize that's going to require some part of you, adaptive changes, what you say is a desired change, to be a better person, to find greater joy, to experience greater contentment, to live your life in love, to love yourself as much other people, which is really the only way you're going to get to that level of peace that passeth all understanding, to really put on the divine nature as the word would promise us, it's available to us, to even so enjoy the life that Jesus brought to and shared with while in flesh, his disciples, that has left such a a lasting impact, not only in spiritual terms, because he did do such, and the promise was such, that even so, as he laid down his life, he knew that he could take it back up being God. But when we enter into Christ, and he allows us to then become, as I tried to capture earlier, one in God, that's What will happen to us? Now, again, will it happen in such the dramatic way? No, most likely it'll be over the course of a lifetime. But counseling's the same way. I am not going to be able to help you make that change, to die to some aspect of who you are, 
Especially with this notion of by the time that you come to see me or would come to see me, and certainly even so, as you would know, Jesus still operating out of some carnal dimension of self. Why would you think it's strange if I would then look at you and say, but you have to lay down your life. (laughs) You have to be willing to, with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit, want to change. Or as much then logistically, allow the Holy Spirit to assist you in changing, adapting, making modifications, not just to your personality, but more so to the divine nature or the virtue that really will one day be what will then secure your salvation. You will eventually have to forfeit who you are because none of that will go across into eternity. None of that will translate to such the spiritual dimension because it's all part of the carnality. It's all part of the human construct. It's all part of our humanity. And none of that translates to the eternal dimension. It's not that there won't be a way that you, even up to the very end of your life, however that should finally play itself out, whatever your last breath might sort of be contingent upon or established in, uh, whatever level of (laughs) loving others as you've learned to love yourself you might have achieved, the Holy Spirit can only take you over to be with the Lord in eternal context, eternal spirit, soul, nature, when you let go of your flesh. Now, we could say this is all in virtue and character. Part of maybe learning how to do that. Maybe that's really what counseling is all about. Specialized pastoral care. It doesn't really matter what you're laying aside. It doesn't really matter what you're giving up. In terms of allowing God's love to fully be given to you. That you would receive it in its fullness. And they're in the, all the power that that represents. Or even as then that would also mean loving others in that same way. But if you're going to operate in it in that way with that level of integrity, that same element of oneness, you're going to have to practice what you preach. (laughs) But it starts with you. If you can't lay it down at the altar, give it to Jesus... If you can't at least understand that it's not going to be a sacrificial lamb, it's not going to be somebody else that's going to have to die for you, it's going to require you, in order to receive it fully, salvation that is, in its fullest measure, so you can operate in that, particularly while you're still in the carnal, the natural existence, you've got To learn lessons. (laughs) Really, go back to the Old Testament. That's the requirement. That's the way God has set it up. He gave, put his spirit, gave his spirit to humanity for that purpose of ministering in human regard. 
And why? Because it's so easy to get caught up in the selfishness. It's so easy to become afraid of the sacrifice. It's so easy to, in mortality or identity, the carnal, the material dimensions of soul and who you are, the psychology of it, your personhood, your personality even, it's so easy to become so fixated upon that or even so to grieve the Holy Spirit because it takes a point even so along the way we call it age of accountability moment of accountability moment of reckoning that by the time you get there so much has already sort of been built up maybe others have put it on you but You've come to a place of, of pretty much operating out of that. That's become part of who you are. That it feels like you're killing yourself or dying if you have to give it up. It can't be so threatening, though, that you don't. And then that's where the power of God's love really then, I think, in practical terms, counseling terms. Salvation terms, sanctification terms, day-to-day growing in in spirit, day-to-day finding further strength in a physical dimension to lay it all aside. That's where it comes in. Because if you don't believe God loves you that much, it's going to be hard to lay it all down. If you don't believe in resurrection and the power of Jesus Christ... The Holy Spirit to help you through all of that transformation, you won't do it. Now, it doesn't mean that there won't come a moment in time later on in your life. Maybe even, I do believe, that up to the very moment of our last breath, we can declare Jesus Lord and Savior and be redeemed. Find that. But putting it off like that or delaying it, or avoiding it, or running from it, it makes it even harder or more difficult, I think, when the time comes to accept this is the requirement to love God like you love others, or to love others like you love God. It's probably the better way to say it, the more proper way to say it, but if it doesn't start with a recognition, it can't just be about saving you. It has to be in that God gives you salvation so that you may help others. Lest you use that, try to steal that from God, so to speak, just for yourself. It doesn't cause God to deny you his love. It does not cause God to withhold his love from you. But you're really denying that requirement of laying down your life as with, again, Old Testament sort of context, at least the appreciation that it's going to require your life because anything less than unconditional, sacrificial, sort of willingness to love others in that same way God's loved you, it's just going to be selfishness. And to the greater or lesser extent that you operate in that probably speaks to The challenge, when you come see someone like me or Carolyn, 
even though she's not here, I could speak on her behalf, I believe. Really, we're in that same sort of way, willing to, to help and assist. And we'll do everything we can to encourage and go through it with you. And we'll do that in that same power out of the Holy Spirit and with his leading guidance and discernment. We'll use the word of God, even as God has given his word more generally, we'll apply it or assist in applying it to your life. But we won't be to the dismissal of the requirement that the Old Testament calls us to. But it won't happen except that we lead with the power of God's love to save and redeem. But once that is established and you begin to understand that that's how much God loves you, and then you begin to, with confidence, love others sacrificially in that same way of Jesus, then change becomes much easier to perform. God does the work. You just allow Him to. We don't even do the work, Carolyn and I. We just allow the Holy Spirit to use us and encourage you Try to support you. Try to minister in any way we can. Not only Bible word, but living word. Not only Old Testament word, as with promise, but New Testament demonstration. Same thing happened to the disciples, the apostles, on the day of Pentecost. They were left to discover or receive the power of the Holy Spirit. But it had to come without Jesus literally being there, lest they would continue to see this all about them. It came time for them to give what they had received and freely receive, freely give. But once you begin to give and once you're put in that position where you realize the Messiah has come (laughs) and he's shown us the way and we can now accept and receive him even with just that literal sort of context, within that literal context. But we also have to, in that same literal way, be willing to, To do the same things. But we're not going to be able to do that out of just some good thought or good intention. Because only when we lay down our life in that measure or we come to the end of of ourselves in life in that way. Or end of our life, so to speak, our life. The psychology, the identity, us, our carnal self, our carnal soul comes to that point of real reality or realization where we begin to discover that resurrection is real. It's true. There is a power in you greater. Greater is he in you than he that is in the world. And it is the Holy Spirit. But don't be surprised then that as the Holy Spirit would be in you and as you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and received Him and you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit, not only will you begin to see tangible evidence of this power as they did in the book of Acts 
as we do, the accounting of the power of the actual actions, the actual doing part of it. Uh, But we'll not only see it in them, but we'll start to see it in us. And I would want to celebrate that. No, you're not Jesus, but because you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and because you've believed in the promise of God and such, you then not only would believe in the promise of God, but you are making a vow to live by what we know to be God's standard of righteousness and realize then it will require you to to give up yourself, your selfishness, your self-centeredness, and really make it about others. Anything less doesn't mean it can't be sanctified. But when it comes time to in all measure, without flesh to get in the way, without carnality, without human dimension to get in the way, for us to be one with the Lord in the fullness of the promise, if you've waited, you've just missed out. (laughs) You could have already had And if you've happened to wait and as much still would receive, there's still going to be that need to lay it all down. This life is not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about loving others in that way that God loves you. It's about putting others first. It's about laying down again all of your will to the end of serving others. It doesn't mean compromise the message. It doesn't mean you have to pretend or somehow uh, without integrity. That's what I want to say. Minister the Gospels. Speak the truth. Do it in love. But in the end, the only thing that saves is a willingness to lay down your life as Christ has done for you for the sake of someone else being able to see, being able to understand in tangible material form, which is where they're coming from. If they're not yet saved, if they've not given their life to Christ, you go tell them about Jesus all you want, but if you're not going to show it, they're going to look at that as a lie. And maybe they won't say it quite that way. And maybe that sounds harsh to say it that way. But you're pretending to be something you're not. They'll see right through that. You'll be a hypocrite. And it'll just cause them more trouble or difficulty in believing the promise. Somebody has to be willing to do what they say when it comes to the two great commandments. Or at least they say they believe in. Or it comes across as superficial and shallow. Now in the counseling context, I try to live my life with that integrity. Does it require me to do that in that way? I I don't know. It's quite the same way as somebody at home or in your family. But if I were to be put in the same, or friends at home, friends. But if I were put in that same situation, I would hope that you would not find me fraudulent, or if you do find me weak in some measure, 
that at least I would be willing to confess. I'm sorry. I didn't do what you've called me to. Not only you, but Jesus. Now, does everybody have to die for somebody else? Maybe not in quite the same way again that Jesus did. And maybe because Jesus died for us all. And that's the source of our strength. Because it is the only way that we have restoration with God. And only through Christ Jesus do we allow or permit God's love to flow through us as fully. Or as with the Holy Spirit, divine nature. If he's still operational within us. And we've just grieved him such by the time we get to that point of that day of reckoning or accountability as I tried to capture it earlier a few moments ago. But in whatever way, if we don't allow him to have full reign and access and to lead us and guide us in that way even unto our very end, whatever that might be and however that might appear and whatever that might be required. You're not going to escape this world without doing that. But you might deny yourself the true glory of God or the fullness of that salvation experience. And Jesus said it best, there's no greater love that any person could have than to lay down his life for another. It's challenge, it's aspirational, it should not be easily said, it shouldn't be said without conviction, my part, your part. But unless you believe it enough to do it, it's going to be very difficult to convince somebody else that you believe it. And probably that somebody else includes you. And you will deny yourself the fullness thereof. I don't want to go as far as to saying you can deny yourself or would deny yourself salvation, but if you don't really receive Jesus in that way, if you don't understand this is going to be the call in your life, this is what it's all going to come down to, is this cross, and that that's as much something for you as it would be for anyone else when it comes to dying to self and dying to our humanity and dying to the flesh and dying, I suppose, in that way, denying the devil any opportunity to not only steal your soul, but to use you in some ways to further alienate, separate others from the love of God in Christ Jesus, you're probably not where you need to be. And though I'm not going to say you won't be saved, I'm going to say, though, you should take that in consideration. If there's conviction that goes with it, if you look at your heart, if you listen to these words even, if you come see me or Carolyn, and we say, you know, You say you believe, but you're really not putting it on the line. It's not easy. It's very difficult. And that's why Jesus came. And so we know we can do it. And there's a power in God to do it and to overcome 
the flesh. And we're part of the comfort and the guidance, the leading, the understanding. But you have to do that. We'll do our part to not be hypocrites and to try to live up to that standard. And nobody does it perfectly. And that's again, gets back to Jesus. There's only one that had to really bear primary that cross. But because he did, we have the ability to do so as well. Because he's there with us. Not only in some sort of, again, ideal. Not only in some sort of, again, Old Testament sort of way that then renders us when it really comes down to it. Feeling like such the failure because we can't love others in that way. That we would say we want to or believe that maybe it would be possible we could. But he gives us his Holy Spirit so that we would have the power and the strength to love even as God's loved us. And even as we're called to love God, we are called to love others. So once again, the two great commandments, (laughs) it is the Bible message, but it's also the counseling message. And for the sake of just making sure that we get this with the actual inspired Word of God, the Bible. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, The Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like. It's the point we're trying to make on the podcast. It's the same. Namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And just making the point clear, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord thy God. You. It's not just about receiving. You love God. As much as he first loved us, it would be with that idea in mind. His promise is he will always be there for us, but for our salvation's sake, We have to believe it enough to love him. But if you can do that in that way and face, then the real righteousness of God as established with his virtue and character, the revelation of who he is as within Old Testament context, then that's what it's going to take in the name of Jesus. With Jesus. With God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. With Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, who Jesus gave to us so that we might then accomplish the loving others. As now we've understood love to be for ourselves. You can't love yourself out of selfishness. You can't love yourself if only for salvation. That's not a bad motive to come to Jesus. I need saving. But once you get there... You have to accept and realize you've got to give what you've received. 
or you begin to fall into some state of apostasy or fall into some sort of place of, again, denying Christ and the Holy Spirit. And his power can't operate fully within you. The Holy Spirit can't operate fully within you. Either to the transformation of you, as with, again, specialized pastoral care, Christian counseling, personally, or you're helping to sanctify others and to build up and edify the body and assisting them in finding the courage, faith, hope, and love, these three. Love chapter, Apostle Paul says it, to be able to really love as God loves us. As we say that we've received that love, we only can really lay claim to it in that confident sort of way by also being willing to give it. And with that, that's sort of, again, what specialized pastoral care is all about, what Christian counseling ministry is all about, helping you to love others, helping you to fulfill these two great commandments. That's what the podcast is about. Now, hopefully you'll come back and Karen will be here. (laughs) And maybe it'll be a little bit more lively, the exchange. And I do think it goes better when there's two of us. But even if she's not here, I'm sure she would amen or at least agree with the ending premise that it's not only God loving us, we have to love one another lest somebody fail to see the resurrected Christ who is, who has chosen as God has to put his spirit into us. He's chosen to reside in us. So that we might then be the breath of life for others. God breathed life into humankind with his spirit. And in Jesus, we receive a fresh breath. But it's not just for us. It's to help others and to allow God to use us to breathe again. Life into those (laughs) dry bones. Those folks who otherwise are still on this side. Not the good side, but the side of not yet coming to Jesus. So they can be with us on the other side. And the podcast hopefully helps. And that's what our ministry is all about. That's what Specialized Pastor Care is all about. And that's what Christian counseling is all about. And should you want to, (laughs) besides come back for the next episode of What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry as a podcast, want to contact Carolyn, myself, you can do so by emailing us at covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com. You can also reach out to us or find us at covenantsonline.com. You can access us through Facebook, Covenants at Facebook, or on Facebook at Covenants. And you can also call us, 304-528-9220. But should you want to speak to us directly, definitely come back and join us for the next podcast. But in the meantime, and until the next episode, I want to wish you sincerely God's greatest blessings upon your life and to remind you of the power that is in you in Christ Jesus. Until we meet again.